Hello and welcome to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I'm chatting with local sculptor, furniture maker, and fabricator David Fricky. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Now, David, before we dive into your artistry, where are you from? Um, well, uh, I was originally you know, born in Maine, but I was raised outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, lived here for Oh, about 16 years before moving back up north for school. Are your parents from Maine? Oh, they're kind of from all over. Okay. And I, you know, we're, we're very much a, a non, non-regionally specific family. Got it. Yeah. So you were kind of transplants in West Tennessee, yeah, which has much. a very rich, distinct culture. Absolutely. Were you always artistic as a child? Oh, I'd say maybe yes, but mostly just because I was so disinterested in everything else. Uh, uh, I had a, a very kind of uh, artistic, creative upbringing. My family was really into the arts, um, uh, very theater involved, um, a lot of music and that kind of thing. Um, I, I had wanted to be a, a documentary photographer, though. Not super, uh, not super artistic, more of just um observational but why photography well my my father had been a photographer um back in the 60s and 70s through uh kind of the early 80s um you know doing newspaper work um up in new york you know kind of documenting cultural upheaval back in that time um and i was always kind of fascinated by it and so when i was 12 uh, he asked me whether or not I wanted a bow or a camera, and I chose camera. And so he helped me build a darkroom, um, and I was processing my own film and printing all the way through high school and decided to go to college for it. And that uh, that became an entirely different world. But It's great that you had a family that supported your artistry. Yeah, yeah. Did you take a lot of art classes in school? Were you taking classes oh. extracurricularly? No, actually, I'm I'm kind of embarrassed about that one. Um, I had applied for art school in like the fall of my senior year of high school because I you know I knew I wanted to be a photographer. You know, that was that was what life was all about. <laughs> I was one of those one of those nerds that carried a camera around everywhere and took photos of all of his friends and all that. Um, but. Uh, I, I realized that, wait, I haven't even taken art one. So I took <laughs> I took art one my uh, second semester senior year of high school. Um, and so I went in, I went into art school pretty blind, um, did not enjoy drawing, um, didn't really understand sculpture. And I, I, I think at that point, too, I was a little bit kind of hesitant about it. I kind of put you know, documentary work on this pedestal and art is silly and that kind of thing. Right. Um, <laughs> that happens when you're young. You're yeah. so serious when you're young. Yeah. Everything is so intense. Yeah. Also so critical about it. I mean, there, there's, you know, especially growing up in sort of a public school system, if you don't fall in with the right crowd immediately, you kind of don't know how to feel about certain things. And mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think art was definitely one of those complicated issues for for a, a youth you know um to try and wrap their head around which school did you apply to i had applied to uh, oh god let's see um 
I was interested in RIT uh, for their uh, their photography program. I got into Pratt in Brooklyn. Um, I was interested in RISD, Portland School of Design, um, or Portland College of Art. Those are Sorry. all very good schools. I was I was I was pretty excited about it, but <laughs> I, I had fallen in love with uh, with Boston just as a as a city. Um, and I found uh, the Art Institute of Boston through Leslie University, which is now LUCAD, uh, Leslie University College of Art and Design. So I, I, I got I got in with them, um, but it was I mean it was it was once again like a very art focused photography program. Um, so it was largely about sort of um, alternative processes, very kind of painterly photography, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I didn't really feel like there was space for me. And I started to have kind of worse and worse experiences there. So I, uh, I like to say I fired them uh, after three years. I like that. Uh, Seize control. Yeah. I fired you. <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of sent me down a, a totally different path, though. So it was, it was um, on the whole, the, the best decision. I'm pretty sure my parents were trying to do backflips when I told them that I was planning <laughs> on dropping out of school. Um yeah, and then I, 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 you know, through odd happenstance, ended up working as a carpenter and um, realized that I, I really loved uh, the process of, of making and um, I kind of had a, a knack for uh, different methods of construction. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I loved, I loved power tools. And that was something that was, you know, my, both my parents were, you know, you know, hard workers and uh my, my mother was a seamstress and you know my father Mine did all this too. Hey. <laughs> i'm caroline moore and today i'm chatting with local sculptor furniture maker and fabricator david fricky he just talked about how he was into photography but went away from that and then you got into doing hands-on things like carpentry did you just teach yourself? How do you learn? No, I, I, um, it was, it was kind of strange. Uh, one year I was kind of trapped in Boston for, uh, for Christmas, couldn't go home. And, uh, all of my friends had left for, uh, you know, for family times and everything. And I got invited over to, uh, actually to, a uh, some sort of Hanukkah get together. Um, and, Met some some wonderful people, and uh, through in, uh, a wonderful person, ended up um, getting a job with her father as a as a carpenter, cabinet maker's apprentice. And yeah, I, I just I just fell in love with hands on work. It all made sense uh, for some reason. Um, all of a sudden, math was relevant in a way that I had never really appreciated. And um, yeah, I feel like everything that I was uh, kind of hesitant about but respected a lot you know growing up um suddenly just made sense and uh I, at some point a friend of mine from photo school had transferred over to massachusetts college of art and design um for glass blowing and he needed uh an assistant in the shop and so i was working carpentry during the day and then going over and you know, blowing glass in the evenings casual yeah you know as you do as you do <laughs> how did you learn to blow glass i feel like you well, have a new talent every other sentence <laughs> well it was it was all through it was all through um uh yeah my friend andrew mccormick uh he he just sort of took me in um and because he just needed help while he was in school um he, he didn't have a didn't have a blow partner at the time that could match up with his schedule and um so i assisted him for a year and then the following year he 
you know, had an assistant at the school, but I kept coming in and I started making, you know, tools through the carpentry shop I was working in. Um, all, you know, I had access to all these tools. So I was making all the wooden tools for the glass shop, um, you know, paddles and benches and things like that. And, um, so they allowed me to kind of just keep coming in, even though I wasn't a student, I wasn't affiliated. Eventually they made me um, a glass shop monitor, even though <laughs> I was not experienced enough for that. I had just been around helping people enough. Um, so after a few years of doing that, I decided to go back to school. And um, so I wanted to be a better woodworker, but uh, I really liked mass art for um, um, just for the facilities and the environment. And, um, and, you know, at the same time I was, uh, there's a, a, a really wonderful, um, sort of community art center in Jamaica Plains, uh, uh, which is a borough of Boston, um, called the Elliott school, which has been around since the 1600s. I think it was endowed in like 1690 and has gone through all these different transformations since then. Um, and it's still in the same building it's been in since the 1820s. It's just such a cool spot. Cool. With, great facilities and and wonderful teachers but i was i was teaching darkroom photography there um assisting people in the glass shop and you know working carpentry on the side and then starting to go back to school i feel like you're and a very quick learner <laughs> that's that's my only saving grace because outside of that i'm kind of a moron <laughs> i have the opposite problem it takes me forever to get something <laughs> I, I don't say that I understand it, uh, but uh, somehow the hands figure it out. The, the brain never gets it. But uh, Do you ever feel like you have imposter syndrome? Oh, all of since, the time. Since you never officially or formally learned something, even though you can do it very well. I'm sitting here talking on the radio right now. <laughs> yes, I, I have imposter syndrome. I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's I, I mean, it's a lot and it's all it all happens, you know, relatively quickly. Um, I've I've been very lucky to find myself in positions where I can, you know, I'm kind of forced to learn new skills very, very quickly. Um, and um, I, I enjoy I enjoy that kind of stress. Like I, I enjoy that kind of you know pressure i'm definitely like a last minute paper kind of a person um, oh yeah if there's no deadline i'm not doing it <laughs> oh yeah no even if there is a deadline i'm gonna wait until the last possible minute because that's when you know yeah. that that passion really comes out that's when the pressure's on <laughs> do you would you describe yourself as a perfectionist because i feel like perfectionists rarely jump into things because they're scared they're gonna do it wrong i want things to be i want things to be right um and i want to do things to the best of my ability and i will definitely always see the things that i did not do in a way that I've, i you know even if it's it's fine even if it's fine and nobody else will ever see it that mm -hmm. one little thing can ruin it for me for the for the rest of the time and i will fixate on it i've got projects like that to this day uh, and you can still see the little mistake. Yep, and and no one else will see it unless I point it out. And even then, they're like, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. It's like, well, really, it was a problem with what I did in the process. I mean, it's it's honestly fine, but uh, you know, I I know that I could have done A, B, and C differently. Um, but that's I mean, that's all part of the learning process. So I I think um, I might not be uh, a I would say that I I I'm not I'm not a perfectionist. Um, not because, and not in a way that you know, causes my work to somehow be of lesser quality, 
but just because I, I do like to take risks and I like to take on large scale projects, some of which require skill sets that I haven't developed yet. And I, I feel, I think I feel most confident in positions where they're, they're sort of an extreme end of the learning spectrum. I, I think that's, that's the, that's, you know, sitting down and understanding <laughs> something is hard. Um, just sitting down and doing things. Just doing it yourself. Yeah, it, that feels good. Yeah. More with David Fricky after the break. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I'm chatting with local sculptor, furniture maker, and fabricator David Fricky. Hello, hello. Hello. Before the break, you talked about going back to school. So what did your degree end up being in? Um, it ended up being a, a BFA in um, fine arts, uh, focusing in sculpture. Um, sculpture department was kind of different from everything else because it was a it was everything else. So you could have your focus in um, uh, fibers or ceramics or metals or anything like that. Um, sculpture was just sort of like a, a meh bucket of mush of all of that. What kind of sculpting did you train in specifically or do you have to train in all of it? You don't have to train in all of it. Um, you can kind of do whatever you want. I mean, there were students there that um, their main work was all made out of spray foam and random things like that cool but uh yeah it was it was actually really neat uh, but i i uh i i went there because i wanted to be a better woodworker but you know spending years working in a carpentry shop where like kind of anything goes just people just lift, throwing things through table saws and hoping for the best um there were there were pretty you know stringent regulations on how to use the wood shop and I got really nervous about that. I kind of like skipped over um, the the qualifying class, the uh, projects in wood class. I I, I got kind of tested out of that because of previous experience. And uh, since I didn't have that, uh, anytime I went to go work in the wood shop, they're like, "Oh, did you take projects in wood?" And I was like, "No, I tested out." That. I'm like, well, we don't know what you know, so you can't use this tool. So I, Great. yeah, yeah, it was really <laughs> handy. Um, but uh, I, I took a welding class, um, and you know, had some some friends that kind of picked me out of that class and um, dragged me into the um, iron casting world. So I got really into foundry work and uh, specifically cast iron, um, 
and there's such a, a an amazing kind of community throughout the the nation in cast iron um uh, yeah uh, it's it's i've been kind of involved in that whole yeah that whole community for for a, a, a long time now um did you think you were going to end up staying in Boston and stay with that community at art school, or were you always planning to go somewhere else? Well, I I don't think I ever really had a plan. I'm not good at planning ahead, but uh, that's I, a way to live life, though. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot more fun that way. <laughs> yeah, fly, fly by the seat of your pants, drop yeah. trow, set sail. Um, but uh, yeah, I well, growing up. Um, in Tennessee, I had um, my my mother would put on these arts festivals in in Collierville, Tennessee, and uh, the the Mulberry Festival. And um, Jack Stoddart used to come out and bring his photography, and I used to bring him my photography when I was like really little. And uh, you know, would you know, he'd give me advice and critiques, and then we'd trade work. And then when I was in high school, I used to drive out here to um, his farm outside of town. Hippie Jacks. Hippie Jacks. And, uh, and you know, kept kind of working with him on all that. He wrote my recommendation to go to college. Wow. So then I kept coming down for all the festivals, you know, and, you know, because it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, and we would we would talk every single you know, festival about starting some sort of a sculptural community, um, building cabins, having these sort of art- artistic and uh, musical retreats for people. And so we built this whole plan uh, for me to move down. And he said, well, you know, we're, we're going to need more people than just you. So uh, my, my partner, Bree, moved down, who owns the Silver Fern. You know, she's a fantastic metalsmith and artist and you know, works yes. a lot in the community. Um, as well as uh, Emma Levitz, who's a stone carver here in town, um, also does a lot in the community. Very active, very talented, and uh, and another another friend of ours who has since moved on and is you know, doing great things out in North Carolina. But all four of us moved down, and then you know things happened, and uh, as most sculptural residencies go, they uh, felt kind of fell through. Okay. Um, Was that hard to stomach? Oh, very much so. That's yeah. your whole plan for coming here, and then you're just <laughs> in... It, it, the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. <laughs> it was a little bit frightening. It was a little bit frightening, and it and it was it was kind of hard for all of us at first. Um, but we, you know, very quickly learned that Cookville was a a, a really wonderful space with a lot of really great people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of positive development um, going on in town. I mean, everywhere there's a lot of negative development. And positive, there's a there's a balance everywhere. So you know, take the good with the bad. But the positive development in the area, as far as um, um, a, a focus on the arts and and culture, um, it seemed to be like a really wonderful time to have just sort of landed here. And uh, so we've you know we kind of quickly became a part of all of that, and it was really nice to be accepted. Um, by everyone, you know, kind of being, being an out of stater and everything. And it was, it was, I, I feel uh, kids are saying blessed, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag blessed. That's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Cookville does have a very impressive art scene. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially for a region our size. 
So how did you get involved with the art scene here? I know there's Art Round Tennessee and the mm-hmm. Cookville Art Studio. How did you just dive in? Well, I, I think it had a lot to do with, uh, with Art Round Tennessee. Um, you know, we, uh, we had figured, oh, we'll, we'll do Art Prowl. You know, we, we, live, we live 45 minutes away on the side of a mountain. We might as well do something in town. And in Crawford, right? Yep. Yep. That's the one. And uh, yeah, it, it was kind of a turning point. Um, we just were able to, you know, get in touch and and learn more about the community and you know other local artists like Marilee Hall and Brad Sells and um, I ended up working with Brad Sells for about four years and we're currently uh, kind of working jointly on a you know massive sculpture going in town, which is exciting. Oh, cool! What's the sculpture? Oh. I don't want to talk or, about it too much. <laughs> it's it's still it's in the a surprise. <laughs> it's, it's a surprise. There'll be candles. It'll be great. Um, it's a it's a large cast bronze uh, piece that's going to end up going into Dogwood Park. Cool. Um, so that's uh, that's been uh, in the works for almost a year now, um, and uh, I'm I'm in the process of uh, yeah, the, the endlessly enjoyably tedious process of foundry work um which is something that i I really really love but it's uh maddening can you define what foundry is sure sure so um uh i mean most people are familiar with uh with blacksmithing and stuff like that that's that's you know forge work um foundry is any time that you're actually melting that metal and pouring it into molds so Instead of you know using a hammer to beat something into shape, you're making it liquid and you know pouring it into into a form. And you do this in your own shop, right? Yep, yep. Um, but I, I've I've done work through uh, Tennessee Tech's Engineering Foundry. Um, they're wonderful. Uh, Dr. Vondra has has done you know great work with all of that. Um, the cast iron community once again nationally meets every two years down at um, uh, Sloss Furnaces in Birmingham, Alabama. So. Uh, I've got the the bench over by the depot with the the wheel on the front of it. My my chaise barrow. I love uh, that. <laughs> uh, but I cast that wheel down there. Um, just cool. Cast iron requires a, a different furnace that I I just can't really run up here. I've um, laid down on that. Like <laughs> it's very comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Likewise, I've I've slept on that in the shop when I've been working overnight on it. But, oh you know. my gosh! More with David Fricky right after the break. Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I'm chatting with local sculptor, furniture maker, and fabricator David Fricky. Uh David, what is your typical day like? Do you go to the shop? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm very lucky that uh my, my shop is actually right outside our house. Um so I you know get up bright and early in the morning and feed the cats and make my coffee and then wander outside and spend a solid half an hour just staring at all the things that I should probably be working on. It's probably overwhelming when you're working on things that are very large in size. Yeah. So your your shop is massive. I've no. seen it. Well, to me, it's like a warehouse. Well, it's it's two garages essentially. Well, to me, that's big. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot more than I've ever had, and I'm very thankful for it. I just wish I had a bigger garage door. Where do you get your materials? How how do you even start working on a sculpture? Can you walk us through that process? Sure. So I I guess it it really depends on 
you know, what the the project is. Um, cause I, I don't, um, I don't like to make things out of one specific material. Um, uh, you know, there there are artists that work strictly in bronze or strictly in clay, and I, I like to. I really enjoy the combination of different materials, especially you know, wood and metal are kind of the most accessible. Um, Any time that I can add glass uh, to that, I I you know really get to have fun. Um, and then it it also depends on whether or not it's a fabrication process or a foundry process. Um, so. I guess everything kind of begins with a lot of measuring, um, which math. is <laughs> math. I love math. I'm kind of a, I'm an uneducated math nerd. So it's, it's like, I, I, uh, I, I don't know enough about it to really, uh, really sound good. I just think it's hot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're actually using math and applying it to things, like sculpting or even cooking, it actually is fun. Yeah. It's just oh, yeah. not fun in school when yeah. you just have a pen and paper and you're talking about an axis that you're never going to see. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand why when they said, you know, you'll be using math for the rest of your life, they didn't add on. And that's cool. Yeah. If we had only known that it was cool before, <laughs> then, I mean, we'd all be nerds. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of layout for more of my fabrication pieces. Um I use a, an MDF table instead of a steel table, which is kind of, you know, you know, not the coolest, but uh, um, but it, it's really great for um, laying out fabricated pieces. Um, if it's the foundry process, then um, it's a lot of it's a lot of mold making um, and a lot of parts making uh, out of out of wax and you know. Then there's a lot of mold making of that, and uh, basically the the foundry process is just mold making after mold making after mold making. You, you start with rubber molds, move to plaster molds of the rubber molds, and then you you know cast things into the rubber molds, and then you take those out and you make another mold of those out of a ceramic shell, and then you you know melt out the wax from that and pour stuff into it, and then you remove everything from that mold. It, you're basically making the sculpture three times over. There's so much preparation that goes into this. It is a, an eight-phase, you know, <laughs> state of constant tedium. Uh, but it's 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 also a lot of fun. It's like relaxingly, maddeningly, both uh, exhausting. What are some of the works that people might recognize around town, or what are things that you've done? Um, well, uh, let's see. The the first piece I did in town was uh, out on the patio at Father Tom's. Uh, so there, if you've ever been out, out there, all the um, the cast aluminum writing um, that's out there with the, the glass components and the, really cool. the steel frames. Um, that was a lot of fun. I, I, I do a lot of writing in, in uh, most, most all of my work from undergrad and um, – you know, thereafter, you know, I'd, I'd like to write a lot of music and include a lot of text in the pieces I make. And every every piece needs its own font because it would be rude to just reuse the same font over and over again. So everything gets its own uh, type design and all of that. Uh, so just adding more steps onto it for just for fun. And, uh, and you do music as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more talent uh, yeah. <laughs> to add to your resume. Uh, I wouldn't call it a talent, but you know, it's it's definitely a good time. But um, uh, I've got uh, if you ever go out to Hicks Farm Brewery, um, the the gate out front, um, uh, 
It's sort so of the, cool. Oh, thanks. Y'all got to go look at the gate by Hicks or in the front of Hicks Brewery. It's right across the street from Ralph's Donuts. You've probably seen it. It's probably my favorite. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> now, when people want a sculpture from you, do they just email you? How do you connect with people? How do you even build a client base, especially in a place you're not from? Well, right now it's largely just been word of mouth. Um, and that's, you know, that's worked for me so far. I'm very bad at social media. And, um, I feel like, uh, anything digital is, is so abstract in my mind. I can't quite wrap my head around making the time to just do it. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm working on a website. Um, I've got an Instagram, um, which is, um, at Fricky the Younger, um, F-R-I-C-K-E, the Younger. Um, but uh, that's that's pretty much all I've got right now. Um, but everything's just been word of mouth, um, and there's such a strong community that I've I've been, you know, very lucky to just sort of have consistent work. I'm Caroline Moore, and today I'm chatting with local sculptor, furniture maker, and fabricator David Fricky. How long do these projects? take you like the fence or like the gate in front of hicks brewery how long did that take to make that was a special case um when the uh you usually projects that i take on tend to take uh about um depending on what they are and how involved the process is it could take like a month to six months um this the this current foundry project i've got going on is going to take um uh by the end of it probably um, eight to ten um, full months for me. Um, the gate, uh, I kind of got it approved, but really wanted to get it installed by uh, by Art Prowl last year. So I got that done in three weeks. Um, and that wow. was a, a mad dash and uh, totally worth it, but definitely slept for a long time after that. I was about to say, you probably did not sleep very much. No. Wow. That is very impressive to do that in three weeks. So when you're working on these multiple projects, or do you work on multiple projects, or are you just fixated on the one thing for months? I I, I mostly get fixated on, on one thing. Um, I, and that's usually because most of the things I work on are, are multiple steps anyway. So I've got a wood shop and I've got a metal shop. Um, and so... Like making a batch of tables for for Hicks Farm, that was you know you know working on ten tables at once that all require um, a bunch of lamination in the in the wood shop and a bunch of finishing in the wood shop while simultaneously welding all of the bases together in the other shop and finishing all of that. So I'm kind of trying to work my time between you know setting times for different um, urethanes with you know um, also having to do all the welding and grinding and, you know, cleaning and finishing work in the other shop. So um, since everything's kind of multifaceted, I kind of can't bounce between projects because I'm already kind of bouncing between projects. Right. There's yeah. already a million things going on with one. Yeah. yeah. When you're done with a project, do you feel relieved or are you just thinking on to the next? Oh, um, I think it's kind of a combination of everything. I think by the end of any project, I'm very ready for it to be done. <laughs> you've only been staring at it for 10 months. Oh, yeah. I can imagine you'd be pretty sick of it. <laughs> and, and, you know, once again, you know, talking about, you know, kind of procrastination and, you know, 
you know, if you know, being under the gun is kind of a, a wonderful um, motivator and in an in an almost exciting way, mm-hmm. like there's this rush of adrenaline of you know trying to get a project done, but that also comes with its own degree of oh you know mild insanity um and i i think that that adds to i it 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 adds to the excitement you know it it becomes like you know you're starring in your own kind of movie where everything's nothing's going wrong necessarily but you've got so much happening that you're trying to keep track of that you you know you're just rushing between everything and it's i'm always excited at the completion i'm i'm you know, I'm always ready to be done and ready to move on, but there's always a sense of, um, you know, it's almost like you walk out of the shop and, you know, you, you pat it on its head and say, good job, boy. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and wave goodbye. Yeah. And then wander off into the sunset and then, you know, wander out of the sunset the next morning and go crazy again. You know, it's, it's fun. Is there anything that you've dreamed of making? Or you just hope somebody commissions <laughs> mm, listeners. <laughs> um, I've got so many things like that, and most of them are absolutely absurd. Um, I I like to make big, dumb, heavy things. Um, I'm, I'm no gallery artist. Nobody ever really wants to buy what I make. They kind of just commission me to make things. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to you know make exactly what I want. Um, all the time, but uh, oh, I've got yeah you know, a myriad of of, of horrible and wonderful <laughs> ideas, I guess. Well, if y'all have an idea for David, how can they contact you? How can the listeners find you online or contact you if they're interested? I think uh, the the best way would be um, probably through my Instagram. Um, you know, and if you can find me on my Instagram, then you'll be notified once my website's done. <laughs> um, you know, one of those endless process things. Um, but uh, hopefully that will be done within the year. So. And we will have this uploaded online as well. So you can always come back and revisit it. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, David, for coming in. Thank you for having it me. Wasn't, it was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> likewise. Likewise. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>